house of the Lord today with you. House of the Lord today with you. You know, as I said that, I was thinking, you're the house. We gather in this building, but this building, it'll pass away. Oh, heaven and earth will pass away. But you, the people of God, are going to be what's for eternity. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 and 45, I'm going to read from there. It says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for the joy thereof goeth and soweth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. Lord Jesus, you speak to us, God. Lord, speak through me, Lord. Speak your word, God, as you've given it. And quicken us, encourage us, God, and propel us forward. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to talk to you today about keeping the treasure. Keeping the treasure. When we look here in um, Matthew chapter 13, uh, we see that there was a man here. There's two parables. And we see a man here, and, and he's, it says that he found a treasure. Now, I wonder what he was looking for. Did he have a specific treasure in mind? Or was he simply looking out at life and saying, there's got to be something more in life than what I have? Is there an opportunity here? Or, or, or is there some way I can be more successful than what I've been? I think about those thoughts. How can I take what I have for money and make more money out of it within the same time frame that I have? Has anybody else thought that? It, you know, there's some investors out there. There's some people out there that are super duper rich. And then we have super, super rich people. And you look at their lifestyles and they, you know, they have the same 24 hours in the day. Um, and Some of them you look at and you, you find that I, while as I don't want their lifestyle, I'm like, okay, at what portion of their day did they actually work? Because I see that they're, they're off doing this here, or they're off doing that there, and, and I wonder, okay, what, what portion did they work? And we read their books, and we read, we have people out there who make books off of telling us how to be successful. So their success is based off telling you to be successful. And they've gotten so good at telling you that they no longer can do anything else to be successful except tell you how to be successful. And uh, um, they crank them out by the dozen. Success books. But, but sometimes in my life, I don't necessarily know, hey, what is the thing that would, quote, be the earthly treasure? But I have a mindset out there saying there's got to be something more than this. And so I wondered uh, about this, this man as he was traveling in this parable. And, uh, um, and did, he, did he actually know what the treasure would look like? Or did he just have a hunger for something more? Now this parable is deeper than, than, than just a single man here because we know that Jesus Christ saw the church and He gave up everything to buy it. The Creator of the universe, the God of glory, put on humanity. I know many of you have been going to church for a long time and you've got this but I still have got to cover it again. You must understand 
that God, who is the beginning, who in the beginning, God, when He created the heavens and the earth and all the stars, thankfully I have a dog now, and I go outside at night, every night, multiple times, and I stare up at the stars, and I see Orion, and in the morning I get up and I look out my window, and I see, uh, uh, I think it's Venus I've been seeing lately, and, and, and the stars are so bright, and they have these patterns, and they, they come at the right time of year, and I see all that, and I immediately think how God stretched out the heavens. God made all that. He made it with great power and authority. He spoke it, and it happened just like that. It was not a hard thing for God to stretch out the heavens. It was not hard for Him to create time and space and to cascade it out there and pull it back and say, this is how it's going to be. That God, He put on humanity. He became flesh. Jesus Christ was both fully God and fully man. And so as a man, He was born in a manger. And as a man, He suffered. And as a, as a man, He was obedient to His parents. But that does not negate the fact that He said, let there be light. And He created everything out there. That God set everything aside because He wanted to save you. Oh, it blows my mind to think about it. I, I can't comprehend my value. You know, I've told God before, God, I just want to see you. If I saw God in all His glory, I probably wouldn't be on my face saying, hey, can you help me out with my little problem here? I talk to God face to face, so to speak. I, I get on my knees and I'm like, God, I'm really frustrated about this. The one who said, let there be light and stretched out the heavens, I'm like, well, I'm really frustrated about what's going on at school. <laughs> like, really? I'm going to go to the creator of the universe and spell out my little detailed tiny problem when I see his greatness? So he has cloaked himself in humanity. He has kept His glowing, great presence, not in my vision. Why? So that I will get in a, in a personal level with Him, face to face in prayer, and say, you know, I'm frustrated about a couple things. Or, or, hey, I need your help in my marriage, or I need your help over here with my children, or, or I need this on my job. That's what the Creator of the universe did. He put Himself in position so He can be with you when you are at your lowest point and say, talk to me. I'm right here for you. I care about every detail of your life and every, every little detail of your problem. And I want to be in it. And I want you to trust me with it. And so He put on humanity. And He was searching out. God gave you the ability to choose. And then he said, choose me. Oh, the Creator said, please. Sister Nancy, he said, pick me. Pick me. I want to be with you. Only if you want to be with me. I'm not going to force myself into your life, but would you pick me? And he put himself in position. Elvis, he put himself in position to say, hey, I care about you, and I'm going to communicate with you right where you live at. Oh. Reminds me of the Chronicles of Narnia and, and uh, I think it was, maybe it was the magician's nephew, I get the stories mixed together, but the one young man, he, he wondered where the lion had been at in all of his life. And the lion began to spell out, he said, when I was this little cat here, when I was this lion here, and he's like, why do you look so much bigger now? 
And he was like, I was the size I needed to be in your life. And as you grew, I grew. And if you've read any of those stories, you know that C.S. Lewis, that lion, depicts Jesus Christ. And in our lives, God has grown as we grow in Him. And the amazing thing about that is, is the longer I live, the more I know that I don't know anything. And the greater that He is, and, and I'm in awe of the fact that He would pick me and that He would choose me. But nevertheless, I'm going to embrace Him and seek Him. And so, God of glory looked and He saw you, the treasure. And He searched for you. And He said, how can I connect with you? And I'm willing to lay aside my robes because I want to purchase you. And I'm willing to take my humanity and beat it and bloody it and purge it and hang it on a cross. And then I'm willing as I'm hanging there to say, forgive them. Forgive them. And I'm willing to rise again and go ahead and take the keys to death, hell, and the grave and, and, and kick Satan in the teeth and, and come back and, and, and love them. And not only that, but God so loved the world. Not only did He give Himself, but He gave the world a church. Because as He saved you, Pastor Trevor, He then said, I love the rest of them too. And because I saved you, are you willing to go with me and to get this treasure that's over here? Oh, and he turns to him and he says, Hey, don't you see there's a church that loves you? Don't you see there's a people here? They understand where I brought them from. And they're now coming after you. They're coming after you. Oh, I encourage you today to not be so stuck on, uh, on your your sins and your past and your dirty rags to say these things are too dirty for you, Church of Omaha. They're too dirty for you, Jesus Christ. I, 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 I don't think you can have them. I understand looking at the greatness of the King of Glory and saying, how could I possibly let Him see these, these dirty things? But when He says, I want them, be humble enough to give them to Him. Be humble enough. So he went to the field, and we can see in 45 here, again, it's at verse 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price. You know what's exciting about that? It now just doesn't say a treasure. And what does that treasure look like? He says there's a pearl. <laughs> Sister Dana, you're a pearl. You're a pearl. And the king of glory said, Aha! That's the pearl I want. And he began to seek it out. Sister Kiara, he found it. And he said, I'm going to buy you. I'm going to purchase you. I'm purchasing you today. But this parable, I would like to ask you out of it, not what did God do for you, but what about you and the treasure? What do you do? And what treasure are you searching for? At some point in every one of our lives, we didn't necessarily know that it was a pearl that we were looking for. Now, about since the day I was born, and some of you, it's been the same way, I grew up in the church house. I felt the presence of God. So, so perhaps you would say, well, Lucas, you knew it was a pearl. You just didn't quite see the pearl. For others, though, 
And I'll reference my dad, and if he's watching online, he knew he was in a place where his parents didn't go to church. He just said, life can't go this way. I'm lost. I need help. And he began to reach out to a God that he had never really known before. It's the treasure in the field. And see, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure in which a man, when he hath found it, he hideth, and for the joy thereof goeth and soweth all that he hath. You see, when I found Jesus, I found a treasure. When I found His church and the plan that He put in order, I found something worth buying. And I went and I said, I need what's there. I've got to have it. And I, w- I went and-, and I got down and I said, how do I get that treasure? Oh, I found a place to pray. And I begin to cry out to God. I looked to people around me that had the treasure. And I said, how did they get it? I didn't know all this book, but I seen them talking out loud. I seen them telling God about His greatness. I seen them telling Him how they were sorry for what they did. As a kid, I didn't quite get their words. It wasn't in my vocabulary. So I said, God, I don't want to say all those words. I understand hallelujah is this highest praise. They told me that, but I'll say that word too, but I don't get all these other words. And so I was just like, you're big. You're mighty. You're great. You're awesome. You're the biggest superhero. You can tear apart anything. And as I said those words and began to tell him, I was like, I want to mean it from here. I begin to say it from the place where I mean it. I always say it's the belly, you know, just where you feel down here. As I said that, I begin to feel him. And he swept in. And I was like, you know what? I stopped thinking, do I deserve this? Is this owed to me? Should I have it? No. I was like, it's here. It's everything I wanted. Oh, I doubted it after some of those initial experiences. I wondered at it. But one night... I said, hey, I am not leaving this place where I have felt God this week until without a doubt, I have this treasure for keeps. (laughs) That night, I didn't feel anything. I was in a church house full of people. I got up. I wandered from one spot to the next. I told God, I'm not leaving here until you give it. And so he said, I don't know why he did it this way, but everybody left. Every last couple hundred people in that place left except my pastor. And I said, but God, I want this. And he swept in, and not just then, but the next day and the next day. And when I found that treasure, I worshipped, I rejoiced, I I danced, I shouted. I couldn't believe it. I was like, do it again, Jesus. Do it again. I returned to my home church. There wasn't many people, sometimes 15, sometimes 12, sometimes 5, sometimes 20. And boy, we would sing a song. We'd sing, I got the Holy Ghost. Maybe some of you know it. And we'd be singing, guys, <laughs> I'm a 12-year-old, and I'm like, <laughs> and if you're watching online, you're like, that's some weird church. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I kicked a hole in the wall. Not just there, at another church also. But why? Because I was like, I got a treasure And it's everything I wanted. And so if you could understand me, down here on the inside, I had joy. Some of you today have believed in Jesus Christ. 
You know, this is all not even in one of my notes. I don't even know if I want to get down through all my notes today. You believed in him. You loved him. You've got great truths out of this book. But I want you to know that every truth in this book about the infilling of the spirit of Jesus Christ in your life is yours. It is yours to have, and he wants to live in you, and you can know it without a doubt. And just like on that first time the Spirit of God was poured out, that day of Pentecost, that feast, it was a big feast, it was a big celebration, it was a big holiday, holy day. God swept in, he said, it's now time for me to live in people. And when he swept in, they began to rejoice and shout he got a hold of their hearts. He took away their sins. He got a hold of their language. And that experience, Peter said, is for you when he preached. When the message went out and the rest of the people said, how can I have it? He said, you'll get it just like I got it. It's for you. It's for you. The treasure. But we must be careful. Because this treasure that you so desired and every bit of your fixation was on it. That fixation. You know, I, I almost thought of it when I was thinking of the title screen. Have you seen those magnifying glass pictures where you see the fuzzy background of everything, but then boom, there's one thing that's in sharp focus. Sometimes it's with a telescope, sometimes with a magnifying glass. You could be a microscope. And this is the thing that you're fixated on. I, uh, my boy, or Liam, he has a microscope and he has a telescope. You know, I look through that telescope out there. <laughs> I can never get it focused, even on the moon. He does. And I try to see out to the stars and the nebula, but that telescope is just not quite good enough. It can't get it to a point where that's what I see, but I can get out his microscope. And I can look at a little fleck of a thing, a little shard of a piece of onion or an apple skin. And suddenly you see pictures, that, that uh, uh, colors that jump out at you. And, and I'm focused in on it. And I have this large house around me. But all I see is that. Well, God is so much bigger than anything out there that you can possibly imagine. But life comes in and it cascades in on you. And sometimes you see all of this. Instead of being focused on Him. Being focused on Him. But when you first found Jesus, all you could see was Him. You no longer, when He finally filled you with His Spirit, thought about all the worstness of your sin. It was only in reflection with how He took it. You no longer thought, I'm a horrible person, let me beat myself up. Instead you thought, oh wow, I'm free. I'm delivered. Look at His beautiful face. Isn't He so glorious and so wonderful? All you could see was Him. But you know, life happens. For me, you grow up, you go to college, you find this beautiful lady over here named Alicia. Marry her. I do. I marry her. Okay, not you. Let's get the you out of this conversation. I'm done with that. Um, five children, a job, working your tail off, need that bigger house. Politics happen, COVID happens. 
protests happen. Wars and rumors of wars happen. People get on your nerves. Children sometimes get on your nerves. The dog barks in your face, literally in your face, and you put him in his pen, and then he begs to get out. And this is what you see. And your focus sometimes gets turned away. And the treasure of Jesus Christ and the church that He purchased, which is your brothers and sisters, it, that focus, it gets lost. And you begin to see other things. You change the dial on the microscope. And now maybe you see the plate that the, the, the object is on. Or, or you, you get your telescope turned in the heavens and you see something else out here, but it's not that thing you were trying to focus on. Or you get away from the microscope or the telescope altogether and you get lost in the city lights and you get lost in the busyness and of everything. And, and, and you no longer step out at night and see God's glorious power and might. Instead, you see the bills and you see the heartache and the frustration and the stress. And, and you see again that person that gets on your nerve. It's your last nerve. And if it would go, then you could just be a happy person, right? You'd be insane, I guess. But you know what I'm talking about there? You've lost your focus. Sometimes you get jealous. You're like the writer Asaph, and, and you look around at the people around you, and you see their wealth, and you see everything they have, and you wonder, where is this? And where, where, what's going on here? What's going on? And we can get turned around on other things. Maybe you had success. Maybe you were good at your job. You know, there was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus, and he wanted this salvation. But he was really good at his business, at what he did. And Jesus said, you need to live right. You need to live this way. You need to live according to these back half of the Ten Commandments. He left out the God part. He talked to him about how to treat people. Honoring your father and your mother, and not bearing false witness, not committing adultery. You know, there's a lot of good people out there who are living right. Right. But their eyes are on the wrong treasure. When he said, I've kept all these things from my youth up. And when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet thou lackest one thing, sell all thou hast, and distribute it to the poor. And then shalt thou have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. It's not because he was Jesus was telling him that people that are rich can't get into heaven. Jesus said with him, all things are possible. But what he was letting him know is you need to get your eyes off that treasure and get your eyes on this treasure. You need to get your focus where it really belongs. If you want treasure in heaven, get your eyes back on Jesus. Get your eyes back into the body of Christ. Oh, get back into the church and get your fixation backed onto what Jesus did for you at Calvary and the relationship He wants to have for you. Oh, don't get so stuck on what it is you need to give up. He gave up everything for you. Stop trying to buy the pearl at half price. This is not a half price sale. This is, oh, this is not a thrift store or a convenience shop. This isn't buy one, get one. This is sell all you have. Get rid of it. Oh, 
No, it's not just, oh, okay, I, I, I gave it away. All right, I'm dirt poor. No, no, no. Sell those desires in your heart and refixate yourself on Jesus. It's the treasure. The treasure. The treasure. Oh, but you know what? Hear me. Hear me. Life will try to steal your treasure. It'll try to come and take it. It'll try to get you off. It'll try to turn you. As you know, I referenced last week, both we have the quizzers studying Proverbs. But I've been studying Proverbs, and, and I thought, Lord, I, I wasn't even going to touch this today. I had a whole other topic in mind, but God keeps bringing me back, and, and He's echoing into me. And Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22 says, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge. Do you know what happens with you and your treasure? Is that simple spirit likes to come along. It's that thing that you fell in love with Jesus, and you loved Him, but you either didn't go deep or you stopped going deep. What do I mean by deep? What I mean by deep is you're saying, okay, God, I want to know about you. I want to know you, and I want to stay in relationship with you, and I want what you want to be in the center of my eyes, and I want your morals and your values to be what I seek after. And while your love is filled, or put, uh, focused on Him and you love Him, you're going to be saying, okay, what should I do? And so when tr struggles come your way, you're, you're going to be like, you might stumble over here, but you're going to turn back to the love of your life, Jesus. And He's going to be pulling on you and you're going to hear His voice. Why? Because His sheep know His voice. Yeah, yeah. But when you don't embrace Jesus and you're not into this, you'll get this little simple mindset. It doesn't mean you've just flat out rebelled against God. It means that you're over here and you're in a place where you have no depth. Something that happens is you get the feel-good-in-the-moment scenario. And an idea comes along, and maybe it's something you hear in politics or you hear on the TV, and, and you're like, yeah, that's true, that's good, that's good. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, you, you see it in riots, and you see it in protests, and you see it in revolutions. People will seem to think, hey, you know what? I can't pay my bills, and that person over there has a lot of money, so let's just take it. It's... It's not right. And, and, and people, and you can do it however you want, through government or pure robbery. And, but they will get wound up and they will now begin to do things in their life because in the moment it seemed like the right thing. It wasn't fair. You'll see it with your children. They will steal something from the other child. I want that toy. Why should they have the toy when I want the toy? It's not fair that I don't have the toy. Has anybody ever saw that about your neighbors? I liken it to the door ding. You pull up beside the nice car, you open your door, oh, I ding to their car. Well, it's not fair. They have a really nice car. I can't afford a nice car. I shouldn't have to pay for the scratch on their door. Maybe not the scratch, but, you know, you look at it. And that simpleness comes in. And it gets you off. And you start not embracing biblical truths. Instead, you get mad at your brother or your sister. 
and you look at them and you're frustrated by them. And instead of loving them, you now get tied up in the moment of, well, they're not right and this isn't fair. In this verse, he talks about the scorner. And the scorner gets filled with pride. The eye know what's best. Humility fades away. You maybe God has elevated you and, and you have you know, knowledge and understanding and, and all of a sudden, you who have been having the treasure are looking at life and, and you're like, well, that's a dumb idea over there. And your lack of humility and your lack of listening to the teaching and preaching and correction and the correction of the Word of God, it no longer begins to happen. And you don't think of yourself as a scorner, but you begin to look and life has stole you away with pride and taken away your humility. Taken away your humility. And soon you may find yourself indifferent to the world around you and indifferent to hurting people, indifferent to the struggles of your brothers and sisters. And you may find yourself willing, a foolish person willfully indifferent to, to the teachings of the Word of God. Why? Because you now know quote, what's best. You've got this. And suddenly the treasure is no longer the treasure because you became consumed with the moment. The simple way of looking at life. The, the shallow, not here is what you need to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Hallelujah. If you could just love God and love one another, Everything else will start falling into place. I'd like to add to that. Just stop sinning. Just, just stop it. Okay? But love God. And love one another. Not that it isn't you don't love yourself. As you love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. But instead, oh, you're going to keep growing in God. Keep studying it. But don't get caught up with the notion that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gossip is a great way to go simple. He did what? We always believe the thing that's incredulous. Okay. We always believe the thing that we're like, that can't be true. <laughs> that can't be true. Bishop did that. <gasps> Gonna watch him now. <laughs> Wait, what has he been in your life for all these years? I don't know, but somebody told me something in 10 seconds. And it was so bad, it must be true. No. Oh, where did your brain go? Where did your heart end up? You got your eyes off the treasure. God blessed you. You became filled with self. God, if I'm going to get filled with pride, then it's not a blessing. God, watch out for me. Keep me. And so, because we can get pulled away, because we can get tied up, James, he warns us. He warns us, he says, from whence comes wars and fightings among you? You know, James is writing to the church here. James chapter 4. Come they not hence even from your lust that war in your members? You know, I read, read this and I thought of the church. Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and ye desire to have. I promise you I've never killed a person physically. But what about with my attitude and my words? Did I go simple? Did I get prideful? Did I get foolish? and discount the ways of God? 
ye kill and ye desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. He's not writing to the President of the United States. He's not writing to Ukraine and Russia. James is writing to the people of God. And you come, he says, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Oh, you got off the treasure. You saw something else and you desired it more. You wanted it more. First John tells us in chapter 2, he says, Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of God is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those are the same things that got stinking Eve in the very beginning that took down mankind. It looked good to the eyes. It was good for, them, for self. And it looked like it would make one wise. And, oh, our own desires. Our own desires. And so John tells us, he says, hey, get off of these things. You cannot be after the world and after the treasure. Back in Proverbs what do we need to do here? What do we need to do? Proverbs 3, verse 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them around thy neck. Write them upon the tables of thine heart. That word mercy is that loyal love. The NIV says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. That truth is, is being trustworthy, is being stick to it. I like the ESV here. It says, Let not, let not steadfast love. It's that has said and faithfulness forsake you. You know what we need today? We just need to get back to loving Jesus and loving the church. We need to love Him and love one another. Wisdom cries out, don't let your loyal love leave you. It, 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 it's crying out and it's saying, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. If you want this, you have to keep it. You can hear all the preaching and teaching in the world. You can read this book all you want. But it's only instruction. You need to be the one that says, I want it. And I'm going to keep it. And little piddly things in life are not going to turn me to the side. And my, oh, oh I'm smart, is not going to get in my way. And, and, and wow, that little crafty word that somebody said over here, you know what, in the name of Jesus, I'm not listening to that trash anymore. I'm not going to be turned aside. Oh, God has placed wise people in your life to speak to you, to let you know the way that you should go. So embrace the Word of God. Study it. And when you say, God, I don't know about this, but I love you. Direct me. Guide me. I'm following after your Spirit. Seek out the, the teacher and preacher in your life. Say, teach me. Get to church and listen to the Word of God. Do what it takes on your part. And the Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. It will lead you. So James chapter 4. He gives us a little key here. He's talking to the church. He says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. 
Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. What do we have here? Submit, resist, come close, repent, and humble. It all really flows together. But if you will now say, you know what, I had a treasure once. I valued my brother and sister. I really didn't care about their hobbies weren't my hobbies, that their lifestyle wasn't my lifestyle, that the way they ate their food is not the way that I eat my food. And frankly, you know, I don't know where they found those seasonings, but I'm not putting them in my dish. No, he says, my brother's my sister, and we share the spirit of Jesus Christ, and I have his love between me, between us. And you say, I'm going to resist those things that got in the way of this relationship with the family of God. And I'm going to resist those things that got in the way between me and Jesus. I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to submit myself to God. I'm going to get close to Him. I'm going to get close to Jesus. I'm going to get back into worship. And I'm going to repent of where I've gone. And if we could stand to our feet. And I'm going to go ahead you know, humility is the opposite of the foolish. The foolish is full of pride. Drawing near to God is no longer scoring the ways of the book. And resisting is not giving in to the foolish uh, uh, wisdom, of, uh, the foolish wisdom of the simple. But it's getting back with Jesus. So today, in this, as we close out this first half and move into this second half, I want you to re-seize the treasure because it's for you. Lord Jesus... We submit ourselves to you today. We bring our lives back into your hands. Oh God, let us be filled with a glorious desire and passion, Lord, for your kingdom, for this wonderful treasure that you purchased called the church, the treasure of you in our lives. Oh God, that it would be our first fixation. Oh God, that, that those things that would disrupt and pull us to the side. Oh God, our lusts, the pride of life, Jesus, all that would be ripped off of us and fade away. Oh God, I want you and I want to obey you and I submit myself to you. I love you, Jesus. I'm falling in love with you again, Jesus. I'm desiring you again, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Return back here at 1120 and just fall in love with Jesus and with His church. God bless you.